we've all been there. And uh, I was in McDonald's, and the, there was a it was either mother or grandmother was there with a, with, with, with a little boy, and the little boy was staring intently, focused, laser focused at the toys, the, to the, the display for the toys that were uh, included in the Happy Meals. And he's just staring at this thing. And, uh, and, and the, the lady, she's trying to get little Billy's attention. Billy! 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 He never, never breaks gaze on those toys. They're displayed in the Happy Meal display case. Billy, Billy, what kind of ice cream do you want? Chocolate. Boom, chocolate. Then he's back. I so wanted to help her in that moment. Right? I'm telling you, the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon me. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to lay hands on the child and see him recover. Well, maybe I didn't want to see him recover, but I definitely, definitely wanted to lay hands on the child. You know, you, listen, you need just a little bit of, you, let, Billy, let me, let me give you a word. Let me give you a new word in your life that you've never heard before. No. No. We have not, God's word says, because we don't ask. It's this, it's this issue of faith. But let me help you bring, a, hopefully, some clarity to this, this idea of faith. Because it's easy to misunderstand faith, and if we misunderstand faith, it's easy to misappropriate faith. Because God's Word helps us understand exactly what faith is. Right? Faith is, it's the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. But faith is not simply believing in something. Here's what scripture tells us. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Genuine faith, real faith is this. It's having an understanding of who God is. Having an understanding of the character of God. Having an understanding of the heart of God. And having an understanding of God's design in such a way that we know that we can trust him to be true to his character. That's a big difference between belief and faith. Simply believing is not enough. Simply believing will ring hollow. If you walked in here today believing that I would give you $100, it doesn't matter how much you believe that, friend, it's not going to happen. But if you have an understanding of the dynamic of what takes place in this house every Sunday morning and you walked in with faith that God was going to step into your moment, that God was going to energize you for your day, that God was going to give word that will speak into your life situation, that God's going to bring encouragement for the difficulties and understanding for the doubts, that God's going to bring healing and breakthrough. Listen, that happens all the time. It's, it's true to God's word. And it's consistent with his character. And this idea of living in faith, understand faith is not easy believism. Faith is understanding the character of God. And there are sometimes, friend, that God says, no. 
as Jesus is there in the garden on the night that he is betrayed, and he prays this prayer, Father, if there be any way, take this cup from me. But knowing the character of very God, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Prayer is this. Prayer is, at its very core, its conversation with God. And those prayers that we communicate with God where we're looking for a response, those prayers are, by definition, they are requests. Here's something that's very important for you to grasp this morning. As a parent, I want my children to talk to me about what's going on in their life. I want them to share their hurts with me. I want them to share their heart with me. I, I want to know about their desires. I want to know about their dreams. And there are requests that my children will make of me that I will say no. And even, even with the understanding that I'm going to say no to that request, I still want to hear their heart. Are you with me? Are you following me? Anyone who's a parent, you can, you can understand this. You can relate to this. Anyone that's in relationship with somebody, and you want that relationship to, to be strong, you want that relationship to grow, we want to know what it is that is captivating you. We want to know what it is that's driving your day. We want to know what it is that maybe is even keeping you awake at night. We want to know what it is that you're carrying as a heavy burden. And there are times that what we're going to do is we're going to lean in and help you with that burden. And there are times that we know that this is a journey that you've got to learn from. And while we'll be there to support you, we are not going to carry you. Because all things do work together for good. And so having a healthy understanding of this issue of faith and what faith is and what it looks like, it's, it's, it's profoundly important. I believe that it's important because deep down inside most of us, there's a hidden or maybe even a not so hidden agnostic I know what I believe and I embrace what I believe especially for for those of us that have grown up in this culture of Christianity I know what I believe and I, I understand the promises that I embrace but I also know that it seems like sometimes it doesn't work and in those times where it doesn't work, I don't have a really good answer. And so I believe, but I'm not so sure why I believe what I believe, and I'm not 100% certain that it works. By the way, if you can relate to that, even if you don't want to acknowledge it because you've grown up in church and it's scary to admit that there's, a, that there's, that there's some doubt in your life, there's some doubt in your thought process, that you question some of the theology that you've grown up with, I want you to know this, that you're not alone. You're around a lot of people that walk that same path and are afraid to admit it. Here's the problem. Oftentimes, that when, when, when people reach the point where they do admit it, the pendulum swings really far the other way. 
because they've not grappled with this issue and they've not fully embraced what it means to pray, what it means to have conversation with God. And they've never been told that prayer at its source, prayer at its root issue, it's a conversation with Almighty God who goes far beyond what we can ever grasp, even begin to imagine. And that because of who He is and because of who we are, we can know this, that He loves us. He knows so much more than us. And what that means is there are times, sometimes, many times, that when we go to him, that he will say no. And there are even moments that when we go to him, because he has an understanding of how an overt response will affect us, it seems as if he's silent. Even when he's silent, he's close. Even when he's silent, he's close. And there are going to be times when you pray that God is going to be silent. There are times when you pray that God is going to overtly say no. When Jesus is in the garden and he prays, he says, Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me. Understanding the character of Almighty God, he says, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. There's no expression of any response on the part of the father but here's what scripture tells us it says that angels came and ministered to him so even in those moments when it doesn't seem like God is answering you you can be confident that he is bringing into that moment exactly what you need he's leaning into that situation in such a way that he's working all things together for your good. And so it starts with talking to God. It starts with asking him about everything. About everything. Because the more that we interact with this living, loving God, the more we come to know his character, the greater the prayer experience is, the more dynamic and the more absolutely real it becomes. James says this, he says, you do, not, you, you do not have because you do not ask God. So it, it's, it's, not just, it's not just having faith, it's about having a, an understanding of, of who this is that we're, that we're talking to. In the story of the history of God's people, the children of Israel went through a very difficult time in about the 7th century B.C. They're being attacked by the Assyrians. And with that, there's this significant religious influence that comes. This, the Assyrians, they, they worship their, 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 their first god, the god of creation, is this god Marduk. And beyond that, they have all these other lesser gods. They worship all these different gods. And, and in the midst of all that Israel is facing, they cry out to God, and, and yet there are these questions. 
not the first time that we've seen it in the story of the history of Israel. We know this. We know that with Gideon, Gideon was a, a man of God, and yet outside of his house, he lived in the household of his father. Outside of his house, there was a, a shrine to a Canaanite god and a Canaanite goddess, j just in case. The children of Israel, as they're making their way through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, they've, they've seen God miraculously, miraculously deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. They wake up every morning to manna, to food being provided in such a way that it's obviously the hand of God. If they look up during the day, there's a, there's a cloud, a pillar of cloud that follows over them. At night, that, it turns into a pillar of fire. And so the tangible presence of God is there. The overt provision of God is seen. And in that context, Moses, their leader, has gone just a little bit longer than what they think. And they ask Aaron to make them an idol. It is human nature. Listen, it's human nature to have this struggle. To wonder. And in the 7th century B.C., in the context of Israel dealing with the invasion of the Assyrians, God says this through the prophet Isaiah, starting in verse uh, 21 of Isaiah 40. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or whom is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts? one by one, and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, none of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? We could replace that. Why do you complain, Calvary? Why do you say, People of Orlando, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Wow. His understanding no one can fathom. I can't fully grasp everything that he does. And yet, he gives strength to the weary. And to the tired, even though youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, that those who wait on the Lord or those who place their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up or they will soar 
on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now listen, I, I know this. If you've, if you've grown up in church at all, you've heard that scripture from Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 40 quoted, that, that scripture Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord. Understand the context in which that comes. It comes in a moment when Israel is struggling. It comes in a moment when Israel is questioning where God is, who he is, and how he works. It is something that has happened throughout history where God's people individually and collectively have wondered who God is, where God is, and how God works. And in those, in those moments, what you'll find is this, is God will go to great lengths to reveal himself to you. That you have an understanding of who he is and have an understanding of the character of God. And when we walk in faith, and when we walk in fellowship, and when we walk in focus, It makes all the difference in the world. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we position ourselves in a prayer posture that, that, we, that we relate rightly to God? That his character shines through. And his voice rises above all of the noise of the day. Because it is an axiomatic truth that God is in the business of speaking and God is speaking in, into your situation. But much like this room is filled right now with communication. There are television waves that are rippling across this room right now. There are radio waves that are saturating our environment even as we sit here. Can you hear them? Do you see them? The fact that you don't hear them, the fact that you can't see them, does not change the absolute undeniable fact that they are here. God is bringing vision into your day. Can you see it? God is speaking to you in the moment. Can you hear it? The fact that you don't see it, the fact that you cannot hear it, does not change the undeniable reality that it's here. Am I walking in genuine faith, not easy believism, but am I walking with such an understanding of God and an appreciation of who he is. That I come to him not on my terms, but I come to him on his terms. Do I include him in every aspect of my day? Or do I connect with him only in those times where I think he can add something to the equation? Here's what James says. He says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then to God. Submit to God's game plan. 
Yeah, but I prayed and nothing happened. Remember Veruca? In the 1971 movie, uh, she wanted a golden egg. In the 2005 movie, it's true to, the, to the, the book that was written as well. In the 2005 movie, there are these nuts. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. There are these, these nuts and these squirrels. These trained squirrels come in and these squirrels can figure out which is a good nut and which is a bad nut. And Veruca says, Father, I want one of those squirrels. She already has 21 pets. 21! She's got a menagerie at home. She's got her own personal, we own a zoo. But she doesn't have a trained squirrel. Seriously, if you grew up in my time frame, who doesn't want Rocky and Bullwinkle hanging out at your house, right? Come on, give me a talking flying squirrel. If I can't have that, at least a squirrel that can, that can, that can uh, sort nuts for me. And so she wants it now. And she wants it so much, she's going to get it. And she falls into the, the place where the, where the squirrels are working on the nuts. And one of the squirrels comes up and checks out her, checks out her head and uh, de determines she's a bad nut. <laughs> and so much for Veruca, she's gone. <laughs> Submit yourself to God. Father, if there, be any, if there be any possibility, take this cup from me. But you're God and I'm not. And so if my life belongs to you, it means all of it belongs to you. And God, so I have to trust you for my health, and not just for my health. I have to trust you for the health of my loved one that's laying unconscious in that hospital bed. God, if you are God, that means you are God over my resource. And I have to trust you knowing that the job that I have is not my, is not my source. It's simply a resource that you use. And God, if this company is going to go away, that means you've got another plan for me. You are God alone. I'm not God. And so... I know that you want to know what's on my heart. So God, I'm sharing with you this which is on my heart. I really want you to, to, to step into this situation. I really want you to, to provide for this need. I, I really want you to resolve this issue. But sharing my heart with you, God, I, I also I declare that it all belongs to you. Submit to God, James 4 says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It starts, to, it starts with submitting to God's game plan. The very next verse, it says, come near to God. And he will come near to you. Let me, let me, go, let me go from preaching to meddling for a moment. This is something that fascinates me about our culture. Fifteen years ago, Folks that were committed to church would be in church three out of four Sundays. They tell us now people that are deeply committed to church show up between one and two Sundays a month. 
And we wonder, we wonder why we struggle, even though God says, do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren as some are in the habit of doing. And even more, as you see the Lord's return, being so close upon us. The idea of a convenient relationship with God is, it's compromising. At best, it's crippling at worst. Stay close to God. Staying close to God, friend, staying close to God, it involves having a daily connection with Him. Daily worship, daily prayer. And it involves regularly connecting with the body of Christ for the purpose of mutual, mutual edification, for bearing one another's burdens, for walking this journey out together. There are over 30 commands in the New Testament that you cannot fulfill without being in active relationship with the body of Christ. And yet for far too many of us, churches become an activity that we do rather than a family that we're connected with. I will tell you, it's a dangerous trend. How do we find the faith to see, to see prayer in the right context and, and to see prayer consistently answered? It starts with submitting to God's game plan and, and then it, we find that energy as we stay close to God. Then we have to deal with the issue of the heart. It tells us this in, in the latter portion of James 4. It says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is not talking to the pagan. He's talking to the believer. He's talking to the committed Christ follower. And he says this, purify your hearts, you double-minded. God, I believe in you. I give my concern to you. I present my requests to you. By the way, that's what prayer is supposed to be. Not a command, not a directive that we give to God. It's a, it's a request that we give to him. Every prayer is by nature request. So God, I present my request to you, but just in case you don't come through, I've got a backup plan. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. If any of us lack wisdom, we can ask. And God will give it to us. But we are to ask without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed about by the waves. Let not that man, let not that person expect to receive anything from God. Being a double-minded man, being a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Let me tell you what prevents, you, pre prevents us from being double-minded. What prevents us from being double-minded is going back to what we talked about earlier and having a healthy understanding of what faith is. Faith isn't simply believing that God's going to show up. Faith is having enough of an understanding of who God is and having enough of an appreciation of His character that we have a reasonable expectation of how God is going to respond as we come to Him. Knowing, knowing that he's always there and that he's close even when he's silent. 
And, and when we have an understanding of that, it settles our heart and then it allows us to surrender. James 4.10, the last portion of scripture that I want us to look at this morning. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. Has your, has your prayer life lacked substance? Has your, has your conversation with God, has it, has it grown stale? Has it seemed to you as you, as you reach out to God that, that your prayers are just, they seem to be bouncing off the floor of heaven? Have you been going through a season in life that has even caused the questions to creep into your mind? Does God really exist? And if he does exist, is he involved intimately, individually, in the lives of his children as the church has presented to me to believe? That's the question that God brought you to his house this morning to answer. And to say to you that before you were fashioned in your mother's womb, he knew you. That he has a plan for you. That he has ordered your steps. And he will work all things together for your good. No weapon formed against you will prosper. That greater is he that is within you than he that is in the, in the world. And just like we learn from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the story of Veruca, it's a bad thing to get everything you want. It's a bad thing to receive everything that you and your work perspective think that you need. And so there are times that God's response to you in the moment will disappoint you. Frustrate you, even anger you. Doesn't mean he's not there. And it, it certainly doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Some of you that are here this morning as parents and grandparents, just even a little side free bonus lesson, God wants you to learn to speak this into the life of your children and your grandchild. No. 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 My children heard it regularly. No. Dad, can I stay out late? No. Dad, can I just, just not? No. In fact, my children can tell you this, that they knew don't even call to ask to stay out late. Because they knew the answer would always be no. Dad, it's 9.30 at night. Can I, have a, can I have a sugary soda? No. I 
As a parent, there was never a time that I ever said no. That that no was motivated by anything other than love. There are times my, my children have asked me questions. And I've been silent. Sometimes they were requests for provision, and I've, I've been silent. Because they were not at a place to, to hear what it is that I had to say. And it was much better for the situation to speak into their moment than for me. Sometimes it was a request for, for understanding. Dad, how do I fix this? Dad, how do I handle this? And while I was so appreciative of the, the interaction, I knew in that, in that moment that part of their growth process, part of their development process, was not me stepping into the moment and fixing it, But I had to let them navigate it. I had to let them figure it out. I would never let them go too long. I would ne never let them go too far. And there were those moments that I was like, I need to, I need to, I need to, I, I was so ready to step into the situation. Right? I wasn't going to let them get to the point where they were going to irreparably hurt themselves. But even needing to let them experience a little bit of pain because I knew that it was part of that process. God does the same thing with us. He does the same thing with you. So when you pray, never doubt that he hears. When you call on him, never doubt that he's there. When you ask, never wonder if he's big enough to meet that need, no matter how complicated, no matter how enormous. And never wonder if he's bothered by the questions, by the concerns, or by the requests. Because he's not. He loves, loves, loves the interaction with you, his beloved child. So even as you reach out to him today, there will be people that will come to this altar this morning some of them, God's going to say yes. For some, God's going to say no. And for some, God's going to simply pause. Let me, tell you some, let me tell you some prayers God never says no to. Are you ready? Here's a prayer God will never say no to. 
And again, we can relate to this. I can I tell you as a parent, there are things my children will ask of me that I will never say no to. Let me give you an example. If my children were to call me, text me, and say, hey, Dad, will you pray for me? Never going to say no. Dad, do you have a minute to talk? I'll never be too busy for my children. Dad, can I come see you? Come on. See, that relationship, the issues of relationship, I'll never say no to that. God will never say no to conversations of relationship with you. And it starts with this whole, God, I need you in my life. God, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. God, I acknowledge my need of you. I want to accept you as the ruler and director of my life. God will never say no to that, and he'll never be silent to that. When you come to God with those, with those relational issues, when you come to God with, with that desire of connection, he never says no to that, and he's never silent in that. He will always lean into that because he loves you with an everlasting love and he proves that love. God demonstrated his love in the cross. See, while you were yet sinner, God paid the ultimate price for your sins to be taken care of, for the price of every fault and failure you have in life to be paid for. And he did that because he's crazy about you. And so you can be confident in those prayers, he'll never be silent. He'll always step into that moment. And even when he's silent, just as God seemed to be silent in the garden, he never leaves us alone. in those moments where God says wait, God says no, or it seems like he says nothing at all, you can be confident that the same response that he gave Jesus in the garden is the response that he's going to give to you, that he's going to send his ministering angels. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.